What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? With your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend of mine that runs an awesome clubhouse room with some buddies of his. I love supporting these guys, and I'm interested in finding out what he's made of, but also just you know getting to know him. And I want you to get to know him as an audience. But before I do that, I just want to thank you all for coming. Thank you for all pay, paying attention to what I put out and supporting the What Are You Made Of? movement and becoming unstoppable. And so today I have my friend, Byron Holman. He's a real estate investor from Houston, Texas. Also the creator of the nine to five millions masterclass, helping others achieve the same successes he's had in real estate investment. Oh man, this guy needs a blueprint. What do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. So we'll be talking to him about blueprinted as well. But until then, or until we get to that, Byron, we have this tradition of asking our guests, what are you made of? Oh man, that's a good question, man. You know, I think I'm made of nonstop determination. If I can sum it up to anything, man. I think the cheat code for any level of success that I've made throughout my many failures, I mean, to be completely transparent, has been my unwillingness to give up on myself and my dreams and what I believe. See, Rock, I think that is what has always propelled me to anything great because it's I can't sit up here in front and act like it's always been easy for me because it hasn't. It's been a struggle to a certain degree for every every level and everything that I've gained throughout my life. But I would say that secret sauce is 100% just not giving up on myself. If I can sum it up and put it in like a nice little bottle for you. Like that. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. That's good. I like that. So, you know, I have a saying, and, and this is why this show is so powerful is because the journey to success is often invisible. And I want to expose it in a good way because, you know, not everybody sees everything. And what I always, this, the saying that I have is it's never as bad as you think it is, but it's never as good as the other people are viewing it from the outside either. Right. Absolutely. You know, so uh, I love that you said that. So take us back, man. Where did you grow up? What was it like being a kid? Like what, what kind of family did you have? Where did it all start? You know, see rock. I like to, uh, I always like to preface by saying this. I grew up in the hood, right? But I grew up with a really good, solid family. My mom and my dad were just like, they were like, if I can liken it to something, they were like the Huxtables of the hood, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Good, solid father, good, solid mother. But, you know, it, it came with a caveat. And that caveat was that we were, you know, we grew up seeing some some pretty rough stuff, you know, like my dad, you know, my dad sold drugs, my grandmother, she sold drugs, good people, right? But just as a result of just being in that environment, man, it just kind of lended itself to those kind of things. And it never was too rah-rah, you know, it was pretty, pretty chilled. I didn't have a lot of violent upbringing or anything like that. My parents were very respectful towards each other growing up. But at the same time, I had those influences all around me all the time. And it was just kind of like a commonplace thing. And so as a result of that, I ended up being a 
forced into some pretty ugly things. I always had my entrepreneurial spirit with me though. And that kind of drove me into a lot of entrepreneurial ventures, but I've dibbled and dabbled into some things that weren't so legal as a result of my upbringing as well. And it was kind of like a mixture of all of those things combined. You know, I've tried some risky things, some things riskier from a legal perspective, but yeah, uh, yeah. all in all, all in all, I would say that I learned lessons from every entrepreneurial experience, whether it was legal or illegal, you know, and that, that all just kind of shaped it and molded me to who I am today for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And, uh, you know, like I, uh, I grew up in a household for a while that my dad had it made. He had a bit great business. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a Mason and what have you. And then I was in an abusive situation with my stepmother. So I decided to leave. And oh. when I decided to leave that environment, it was abusive, but my dad had it. Like he, we would trips, like we had, and then went to my mom's who didn't have anything. And she was on to her third marriage. And then, you know, I chose that lifestyle over the abusive situation. And even though we didn't have any money, I didn't really know any better. Like it was like mm-hmm. as a kid, but it was a rough neighborhood. I, you know, I'd be jumped. I'd be in fights. Like I can relate to all this. Then I get to college and I did, I, I got into stuff I shouldn't have got into as well, man. So I, I feel you on that. I'm not going to, I don't ever judge anybody because uh, I can't because I'm not perfect. And I, can't, I just think back of some of the stupid shit that I've done in my life. Like, thank God. Nobody got hurt one. And number two, I didn't get like in trouble, you know? I mean, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, but you know what? Like one of the things that people don't realize though, if they, even if they don't get in trouble, they don't realize what they're doing to their mind, their subconscious mind and clouding up their ability to be creative and successful. So it's great that we eventually get out of that. What was the first step that led you into a, you know, on the right track? So to speak? you know, it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned that it's a perfect uh, segue into what really happened. So I, Getting in trouble was actually what helped me to transition my entire life. So I would say that uh, before that, I thought that I was pretty good at everything that I was doing. You know, I've always kind of been able to make money. I mean, even since 14, at 14, I was no longer receiving, you know, money from my parents for lunch money or any of those things. I was making my own money at that age, but I was fairly independent at that point outside of, of course, a place to stay. But in terms of making money, I've always done that. But when I got in trouble, it changed the way I viewed a lot of things, C Rock. It was, you know, because prior to that, you know, it's funny because I make way more money now from a financial standpoint. But if you would have saw me <laughs> when I was making less money, I'd probably look like I had more money. Yeah. Right. Yep, so, yep. so, so it was a couple of things with that. I ended up catching a drug case that landed me in jail. And I was looking at about 15 years to life. It was probably one of the best, worst situations that ever happened to me simultaneously. <laughs> and the reason why I say it was one of the best, worst things that ever happened is because when that happened, see, Rock, I divorced a lot of things that were, that were toxic in my life that I didn't even know were toxic. A couple of things. Number one was my desire to please everybody. I, had a, I, was a, I was an extreme people pleaser, not necessarily in a pushover kind of way, more so in a I did a lot of things to impress people. I wore clothing to impress people. I had nice, fancy cars to impress people. Didn't know that I was doing those things to impress people. But uh, when I got in that situation, I found out that a lot of the people that I was doing all of the things to impress care less about even if I was facing 15 years to life or if, if I walked the case. And so as a result of that, it sent me down another journey. 
And that journey was uh, self-discoverment. And I really discovered who I was, what I really, really wanted out of life and the type of person that I wanted to be. And um, that sent me to books like Robert Kiyosaki, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Also, I got into the Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover. And also I was working, I ended up getting like this little job at, at a hospital because, you know, of course my income had dramatically decreased and I had big, big lawyer fees and I refused to take, you know, 15 years of life on the chin. I'm a fighter. At the end of the day, man, you're yeah. going to have to come with some real, real strong stuff to take me off of my, my, my uh, square. And so I fought that case with everything that I had, C-Rock. Luckily, I had some money and I was able to fight from a financial standpoint. And also, I just had that wherewithal and I knew that, you know, I believed in me. And so I ended up getting, you know, I was working with a lot of Nigerians and they would pour into me all the time. And they'd say, hey, Byron, um, you need to go to nursing school. And I'd be like, nursing school? Like, yo, like, like what I look like going to nursing school. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and so they would pour into me and um, I ended up uh, saying, you know what? I thought about it. I was like, you know, it made pretty good money. Um, You know, maybe I'll go ahead and give it a try. So I, I did. And while I was fighting my case, I'm literally fighting my case. I started going to nursing school, see, and um, as a result of that, you know, I started getting, picking up some momentum. Grades were top notch because I was, I was focused. I was like a laser being focused on getting this thing done. And the the judge, once she found out, you know, she kind of took a liking to the fact that I was, you know, moving my life in that direction. Well, this is why you were put away? Did you? you I was fighting the case. So I, I, I beat, I, I went to jail and then I got out. Okay. Um, okay. On bond. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and, and while I was on bond, I was fighting the case. Gotcha. And so the judge was like, you know, she, once she saw that, I think she just kind of took a liking to it. You know, I don't think it, I don't know if it swayed the case either way, but I know for a fact that I was able to 100% beat that case 100% after about two years of fighting that case. Now, that didn't help me with the with the nursing school thing because everywhere I applied, I, I got denied until I got one school that accepted me because I put on there that I didn't have any offenses because at that time I was like, yo, this thing is about to get dropped. I kept getting a lot of reassuring language from my lawyer that they were going to drop it. And so I put on there that I <laughs> weren't, I didn't, I wasn't convicted mm-hmm. of anything. And so I get there and um, first couple of weeks, I'm doing pretty good get called into the back office and they were like, well, Byron, we've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is you're doing pretty good in, in the program. The bad news is, is we're going to have to kick you out. Devastated. Absolutely devastated. And this was right about a week before I found out that I had beat my case. And How old so, were you roughly? Oh man, I was what, maybe about 28, something like that. Okay. Late twenties. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm devastated, absolutely devastated. And so Went in this process, I'm, I, you know, I ended up going all the way up to the top, you know, to the top. And I begged, I begged that, you know, they let me go ahead and stay. And they ended up granting me access to stay after they went through, found out that I was 100%. The case was dropped. Everything was good. And I was given that second chance. And after that, man, I just, everything about me changed. I would literally, when I finished nursing school, see rock I was living in the projects, right? Despite making a very healthy income, I stayed in the projects, kept my old car. I worked my face off, right? And I I lived on only about 30% of my income, on about 30% of my income for a very long time. I budgeted like a hawk. I would use apps like mint.com and I would just budget, budget, budget because I knew that I was going to invest in something that was going to change 
the rest of my life because I had that entrepreneurial bug. You never really just get rid of that thing. It, it just, it lays dormant yeah, for a little yeah. while. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it sticks with you. And that's how I ended up finding real estate. At first, it was going to be franchises like Subways. And I found out, that, you know, those, a lot of those have caps on it. I wanted something with no cap. And I yeah. ended up finding real estate. And that's, that's where everything else changed. So, so before you get into that part, like, did you go back to the hood and or the projects and doing what you needed to do to stay straight and, and go where you wanted to go? What were the, the, the friends and, and the, all the people around you before? Like, were they getting on you? Were they trying to pull you back in? Like, how did that all go? So I would say yes, yes and no. So the good thing was when I, uh, a lot of the fake friends, right, they kind of fell off, right? They distanced themselves because for one, you know, I was a liability at this point, right? And I understood that, you know, at the end of the day, they don't want to be around me. They don't know if I'm turning informant. They don't know if, yeah, <laughs> they don't yeah. know what's going on. So especially I, when you be a case, they could think that you're, yeah, you're snitching, right? Absolutely. Like, I don't know if you know, like by my last name, I'm Italian. So I know about all that stuff. So absolutely absolutely <laughs> i checked that out <laughs> and so and they, so that was the thing so a lot of those people they distanced themselves like cold turkey right a couple yeah, of them i yeah. kept in contact with but for the most part it was you know we cut that we cut ties and also even in my mm. personal life some of those people you know i i was a liability to them as well because you know a lot of these people you know i took care of you know and for me to not be in a position to you know take care of them Right. They were like, okay, you're useless for me. And matter of fact, if anything, you're going to maybe be asking me for something. And that's not the relationship that <laughs> we've grown to have an understanding on, you know, right, right. one way street, their side of it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just is what it is. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yeah. So one thing uh, also, like, you know, I had a company that fell apart. I take full responsibility for it because I let people into my environment that weren't in alignment with my values. I took production over being in alignment with my values and an owner of a company that we were building this division for ended up the money was, took money, all this other stuff, right? But when that happened and I went through that dark time, I felt like, I was identifying as that person, like this division manager, this dude that was making, you know, money was coming in and I was taking care of people and helping people. And all of a sudden it was gone and I identified as that, but my pride and ego were hurt. And that was a dark period of time for a while. I felt like I lost my identity. And, but you had to have gone through something like that when you did that and then going to oh nursing, which nothing wrong with being a nurse and going, nothing wrong, but not after living a high life, even though it might have been borderline, whatever. You still have money and people are looking up to you. You're taking care of people. Like, how did you get that? You know, how, first of all, did you feel that? How deep did you feel that? And how fast did you get uh, out of that? Feeling? I went, I went extremely low. I went extremely low, but here was the thing. When I went low, it was weird, C-Rock, because I went low, but then I discovered me. And so it was hurtful and depressing in the initial phase of it. But after I kind of embraced it and I accepted the reality for what it was, I really, really got in touch with who I was at what I really, really wanted, what really, really drove me. And that gave me a new level of confidence because now from, it was almost kind of like, it was a new sense of freedom because now I don't have to please all of these fake people anymore. Yes, these people were in my life and, they, and I had a lot of respect and I had all of these different things, but what really does it matter if they're not going to be there for you 
in your worst times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I immediately, I just disassociated myself with that need to be that person to a certain degree. And of course, I'm probably that person now. I, st- I hire a ton of people now. I'm a leader in my company now. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm essentially that same person again. It's just, you know, a more straight, narrow path. Right, <laughs> right. Speak. Well, and there's, um, no, and there's no limits to this. Like, there's always a limit to legal activity. There's always limits because, well, Absolutely. like, like, like Escobar didn't have any place to put his money. His biggest problem was he had so much cash, he didn't have a place to put it. And so you always Absolutely. run into a limit other places, but real estate now? Limitless. Yeah. Limitless. Yeah. So how, how did you, what was your first move after you had the money saved up? So I'd saved up pretty good. And uh, I ended up running into a buddy that I went to high school with. And um, he was like, he was ranting and raving about this whole real estate thing. And I'm like, yo, like, you know. I've seen these little seminars, you know, you see these things that come on late at night, you know what I mean? And, and so I was just kind of like, uh, I don't really know. I was a little skeptical about it. And uh, so I ended up going to one of the uh, seminars with him. I didn't go to that one. And then I ended up going to another one, which was Fortune Builders. And um, thought about it and I was like, uh, I kind of got cold feet on it because it just seemed like it was just a little too polished. And then I ended up connecting back with my buddy and joined this this uh, local group called the Big Dogs. And uh, it was probably one of the best $20,000 investments I ever spent because I uh, ended up, you know, I was able to connect with some mentors that were local to me. And I was able to build some relationships with some guys that were able to help me catapult really, really quickly. And I think it was a combination of that prior natural hustle spirit that I've kind of always had, that entrepreneurial bug I've always had mixed with, I just gave these people 20,000 of my dang old dollars. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be the biggest idiot in the world or I'm going to have to make this thing work. (laughs) Now, was that that money just to use for for mentorship and coaching or was it that did that go into it as an investment? It was mentorship and coaching. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And networking. So it was too. Yeah, it was a, yeah. So I would say the networking was probably the most valuable of all of it. You know what I mean? Because the mentorship was, you know, it was cool. I learned some information, but I'll be honest with you, a lot of the information that I learned, I could probably pull up a video on YouTube that can show me that and probably more. Yeah. But it was those the people that I gained access to that was probably the most beneficial to me overall because I was able to hit the ground running. I mean, extremely fast. I made my money back in probably the next three months after joining that program. So, damn. So, what was the deal? What was the first deal? So, my first deal was actually so it was it's funny um, because it was right around the time when um, Hurricane Harvey hit. So, you know, my investment experience was a little bit. I would say I was a little luckier than most in that regard because when Hurricane Harvey hit, it was a lot of investment opportunities around, mm-hmm. especially in the Houston area. But of course, I didn't know that. I was just jumping into the space and um, Hurricane Harvey hit. So I was putting out my little bandit signs. I buy houses, you know, nurse buys houses, <laughs> all of those little, those signs out. And uh, people people loved it. And I was getting I was getting a ton of calls, ended up getting a call on a property out in Alvin, Texas. And um, the guy had got, you know, he had gotten all his insurance money. The house had flooded out and he pretty much was selling it to me for a rock bottom price. And I was able to buy that property, flipped it. I think I made anywhere from 15 to 20 grand on that deal, did a couple other ones. And it was just, it was just kind of like a snowball effect from there. And it was just pretty much a wholesale deal. I literally put the property under contract and turned around and sold it to another 
investment buyer who was looking to you know put the money into it and fix and flip. And once you didn't I, fix that one up at all. The first one, I didn't touch anything. Yeah, all I yeah. did was literally contract it, literally get it under contract, take it to somebody else that I knew that was in you know that wanted to buy it and put the, the sweat equity into it, and I sold it to them and made me that I think it was fifteen twenty thousand dollars spread on that first deal. Gotcha. And then you're like, damn, this is easy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but I but I was I was a little disillusioned because here's the deal. I was I came in at a hot time when that particular style of marketing, everything it was a perfect storm. Yeah. Right. Everything was working because a lot of people were hurting at that time. And 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 that was the, you know, unfortunately in my business, when you know, downturns, floods, anything that's going on like that happens my business turns up like during COVID. I mean, we, we had record numbers in, in during COVID. Yeah. It's just the yeah. way it is, you know? And so, so you do single families now, or are you in the multifamily? What are you, what space are you in now? So, so I primarily focus on the single family. That's what we do. We probably service, I'd say anywhere from about three to about 7% of the market at any given time. And, um, that market is typically people who are looking to sell for fast cash, they're typically in a situation where they're needing to offer property really, really quick, and they're needing somebody to help solve a problem for them. And we're usually that solution. We put some money in their hands really, really quickly, and we can do it without embarrassing showings, them having to fix anything up on the house or do anything spectacular to kind of make that happen. We're typically pretty healthy solution for a lot of people in the marketplace. Yeah. Now, are you holding any of the properties now in like rentals or are you flipping everything? I'm starting to. Yes, yeah. I just started that that process. Um, I, I wish I would have held on to a lot more than I sold, but yeah, yeah. Um, but but I am holding on to properties now for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say, can you imagine holding all of them and saying like, just gotta find the money, right? But the capital, but damn, man, you'd have who knows how many. So how did oh, how did you God. how did you get involved with uh, Nelson and and uh, Jonathan and Jerry? Was it all Clubhouse or did you guys know each it other was, before? It was it was all clubhouse, all clubhouse. So I yeah. do a room called uh, Business Over Breakfast in the morning. I've been in there. And yeah. <laughs> and so that room, you know, it, it's done really, really good. It's probably one of the bigger rooms in the morning. And uh, so, and Jonathan holds a room as well. So we met, you know, we would, you know, I'd go in his room, he'd go in my rooms, and we kind of just collaborate there, here and there. And Nelson would come to Business Over Breakfast as well. And Jerry's never really came, but I would go to some of his room. And so Nelson kind of, you know, oddly enough, he kind of had a lot of connections in a lot of different places. Like he'd be on some of the biggest stages with the JT Foxes and all those people. Yeah. I'd be in some of them too, but I wasn't, I wasn't building relationships there. I was building more relationships with my little network. And so what Nelson was able to do was kind of connect some of all of these different worlds and create this little perfect little storm with the million marathon. And once yep. we all kind of came together, man, it just worked, man. And now we have one of the bigger, the biggest night rooms on the app, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At this point on a consistent basis. Yeah. And, and as much as you are a star of that show, by the way, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan is, uh, <laughs> he's playing this role. I don't know. I, I don't understand if he's like playing his role on purpose or if he just, just does it perfectly. I don't know. I got him pissed off last night. I don't know if you were in there when I, t I told him yeah. he was hanging on Biden's oh, yeah. nuts, but I was just messing with him. He, he was ready to throw me off the stage. So I back channeled him real quick. I'm like, man, come on, man. I'm just trying to fire you up because I love everybody, man. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't judge anybody for their views. Like if somebody likes one side or the other, I don't care. I just want to, I want to elevate people to become unstoppable and living the life of their dreams. That's all I care about. 
And if anything else gets in the way of that, it, it gets out of my, it gets out of my picture. So, but no, I love, uh, I love hanging with you guys. Um, and, uh, sometimes it gets a little too rowdy. I just can't even like think because of the talking, but you guys do a good job of crowning everybody. But so what's the view of the future? Like, what do you, what's got you lit up about the future right now? What do you got your sights on? Man, so right now we just started um, the the Business Over Breakfast Wealth Community. So I'm excited about this because what we're doing is we're taking a lot of the people that are on Clubhouse and other platforms as well, and we're building our own separate community. See, Rob, we're helping people transition their lives, man. And we're doing it at such a low price point and low barrier to entry. We really believe, I'm passionate about seeing, you know, making some six, seven, and eight-figure earners as a result of connecting with different people. Because right now, we have so many people that have literally connected on Business Over Breakfast and created seven-figure deals, eight-figure deals. We've connected CEOs with CPAs that have done million-dollar deals. It's Mm -hmm. just insane the the potential that Clubhouse has from a networking standpoint. I met you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's phenomenal. Then Then there's some people that hate on it. But it's because they're not being intentional. I go there. I'm intentional. They might see my little picture there, but I'm like a duck on the top of the water. My feet are going like this underneath, man, because <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting people up, connecting with people. I've made so many because I'm intentional. You know, Grant Absolutely. does the same thing. Like Grant's very intentional when he's there. He's not there just to, to fart around like most people think he is. He's, he, he, he's very, very, very intelligent when it comes to this stuff. So, um, Absolutely. But yeah, I want to set up a 15-minute call with you because I'm going to have my sister reach out to you because I got to show you. Grant wants me to show you guys and get you guys all in the blueprinted. It's not a course platform. Like a lot of people, when I talk about it at first, they're like, is that a course? Pl-? It's not a course platform. And just for the audience as well, blueprinted is a platform that I saw a need for because in my life, and same thing with you, when I wanted to do something, I'm determined as I don't know what, man. I'm relentless. I go get it, but it costs me not knowing how to do the things, money, time, stress, relationships, credibility, confidence. I mean, so many things. And I'm like, damn, dude, if I just had the steps, like granular steps, like somebody just gave me a recipe or the actual blueprint of build a house, like, man, I'd be so much further along and the people that depend on me would be so much more further along too. So I put this this tech product together with Grant and the 10X Incubator. And uh, he's like, dude, you got to get these fellas in there. They, they got their, they're so smart. And I'm like, yeah, no, no worries. I'll get them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up a call to show you that just so you can see it. And uh, would love to get you guys another like point of access to your people to give them value and also you know obviously a revenue stream. So we'll we'll, we'll get we'll set that get get that on the books. But man, first of all, before I let you go, what's the best way for people to reach you? Man, right now I would say to definitely connect with me on Instagram. Um, I'm very active there. Some you know I would say Instagram is a good portal to reach me, and that's Byron the Investor. You can also reach me on my YouTube and of course Clubhouse. But I would say definitely on my Instagram, Byron the Investor. Um, you can find everything. You can find all the, all the access points there for sure. Yeah. And if you guys want to engage live, you can go to the business over breakfast and the million marathon breakfast, and obviously breakfast marathon. morning time and the million marathons at 7 PM Eastern on clubhouse. Absolutely. So you can find Absolutely. us there and hang out with us. So Byron, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you much gratitude, especially Thanksgiving coming up. Thank you, man, man. Thank you, man. It was an absolute pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Up podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock and the unstoppable, obviously, after you just heard that story, the unstoppable Byron Holman. Keep coming back, guys. We appreciate you so much. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you like YouTube, because you can watch them, go there. Mike Searock's Rocker. Go subscribe there and keep coming back. And until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? 
Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.